Welcome to Mother and More, a podcast with Caitlin Soule, cognitive behavioral therapist and mama to three kiddos. I am passionate about helping people make change and find the courage to heal and get comfortable living with uncertainty and imperfection. I'm on a mission to normalize mental health and to talk about motherhood in a way that's real, helpful, and honest. In my journey to doing so, I'll share stories from my own life and things that I teach my clients in my clinical practice in hopes to inspire you to lean into this life a little more, deal with the hard stuff, and revel in the beauty that is this messy life. Cheers. Hey, welcome to today's episode. I never know how to start these things, so I'm just going to kind of dive in. I find that if I try and come up with like a tagline or an intro, it just sounds really cheesy, and that's not what I want for this. So here we go. We're going to talk about people-pleasing, how I see it play out on both a personal and professional level, and I want to give you some ideas or ways that you can flip the script, change the things you tell yourself so that you can get down to the business of living a really good and authentic life. And when I say good life, I mean a life that feels good to you. Like I don't have any way to measure what a good life is other than that. But before I go into the people-pleasing stuff, I want to talk about what this platform has meant for me, meaning this podcast. I think when I started it, I... I was envisioning like strangers listening to it, maybe even if just one or two strangers listened or, um, you know, a mom who was looking for some guidance or some inspiration and that felt really good and it felt like an area that I was comfortable with because as therapists, um, as professionals, that's what we're trained to do. Like we're trained to meet perfect strangers and, and guide them and help them heal. What I didn't account for is the fact that people who I know in real life um, and people who I really care about would listen and then give me their feedback, which um, has mostly been really constructive and kind and supportive. And I just want to share because I think it's, it's authentic. And and that's what I'm trying to do here is that that has felt really vulnerable for me, um, to put myself out there, uh, with the people that I care about. And even the thought of like my mom and dad listening or my brothers or my husband or, um, my best friends, like sometimes that feels way more scary than it does, um, having a perfect stranger listen. So we are all just human beings here and I want to show up as a human being first and a therapist second. I guess I don't really know how to separate the two in my work, but I do think it's important to change sort of the societal beliefs about what therapy means by showing up as a human being. And what I really mean by that is that too often therapists are thought of of like this blank slate or these people that just sit there like, you know, uh, don't give you any feedback or just let you talk or, you know, maybe sit back and quietly judge. And that's not who I am. That's not what I want for our field. So uh, thank you for listening and being a part of the conversation because I do believe that's what we need to help change the stigma around mental health in general and also um, the stigma around therapy. Okay. So I'm jumping off my soapbox and I want to go into this people-pleasing stuff because I really care a lot about it and I've really seen it um, cause a lot of problems in a lot of people's lives. So when we're working on changing people-pleasing patterns, I want to first say that it's not easy work. And just like any other work that's worthwhile, it's not easy. 
I know because I've done it myself. When people pleasing is a part of our life, it has deep roots. We were taught to be this way maybe as a child, maybe not necessarily from our parents, but from our culture or from the, you know, from from our teachers or from the women that we saw around us, whether it was explicit, like they told us these things like girls are what is it? full of sugar and spice and everything nice or um, be kind. So whether we were told these things explicitly or implicitly, like through images or TV shows or movies we saw, I really believe that especially as young girls, we were taught to overvalue being nice and kind through pleasing other people before ourselves. I don't, I, I know parents don't set out and I know mine didn't to like create or encourage girls that are not assertive. But I, the reason why I want to acknowledge this is that because I think um, people pleasing starts verse with both nature and nurture. Okay. Um, and then we also fall into these roles as women that are mainly nurturing roles, whether that's motherhood or being a partner or a wife. We're sort of like wired to take care of others, and I think that's beautiful. But what we forget along the way is that we have to take care of ourselves first. So whether you're a people pleaser to your own detriment has to do with both nature and nurture. And maybe you're not even sure if you're a people pleaser. Maybe you're wondering if you're motivated by others' needs more than your own. If that's the case, um, you know, start by asking yourself some questions like, is this decision driven by my need to help somebody else, even when it costs more than I'm willing to pay? Or am I doing this out of the sense that I should, I love that one, should, or the sense that I want to? I notice when I'm in doing my work with clients, whenever I hear the word should, there's a red flag that pops up in my brain because that is alerting me to the fact that they have a belief, like a hard, fast rule about the way that they should be in this world that isn't necessarily true. Or maybe you ask yourself, when am I saying, when I'm saying yes, what am I saying no to? That to me is the best one. When I'm saying yes to others, what am I saying no to? And guess what the answer is? Usually it's you're saying no to yourself. Asking yourself any of those questions or similar questions will help you first decide what's driving your behavior. You see, from what I've noticed, most people don't even realize the extent of their people-pleasing behaviors until they're full of anxiety or pain or loneliness or sadness and wondering how the hell they got there. Especially for women, this way of being is so deeply ingrained that we don't even know we're doing it half the time. And if we don't know we're engaging in it, we certainly cannot know that it's the root of so much of our angst or unfulfilled desires or even unhappiness. I'm going to get personal for a minute because that's what I do apparently. If you follow me on Instagram or I've heard my previous podcast, you know by now that I'm doing my best to show up as a human being first and as a therapist second in these platforms. There are many reasons for this because I believe that breaking the stigma of mental health can start with breaking the myth that therapists are non-humans. I talked about that earlier. Um, like how can I ask my people to show up as their true selves if I haven't done that work for myself? Should therapists throw all their quote-unquote stuff at you or always bring their experiences into the therapy space? No, of course not. Not by a long shot. And if they are, then, then 
that's another issue that, that you need to address or find another therapist. But what I want my people to know is that I am a human and that I have felt or feel many of the same feelings they do. And when it comes to being a person, a mom, a therapist, a wife, a friend, whatever it is, an entrepreneur, I'm in the process right there with them. I want them to know that good therapy should include conversation, guidance, direction, and support. Guidance, direction, two key things that I think are missing from traditional therapy or views of what traditional therapy is. Sometimes the best thing I can do for my clients is serve up an honest truth that they haven't been willing to or wanting to look at. Like it's not like I just throw it at them, but I want to help them find it and then talk about it. Just like in my own life, there have been times when I've needed to be told or showed a cold hard truth or something difficult by somebody who has regard for me. Did you hear that? Somebody who has regard for me. Um, and as a therapist, I have re- the utmost regard for my clients. Um, and maybe it's my husband or my parents or a friend. And once I get out of my own way, I can start to make the changes I needed to. And even my own therapist has done this for me in such a beautiful way. Pointed out these things about my beliefs or my thoughts or my uh, vulnerabilities that I was either not wanting to or unwilling to see and then helped me face them, talk about them and find new ways of being that kind of opened up space for me to, to feel better and live better. So part of me working to change the traditional views of like this very broad field of therapy is is right here this opportunity for me to share my thoughts and experiences my real self right here on this platform like and one of the ways that I've experienced being me is by saying yes to other people's needs before my own there it is I said it I'm a people pleaser too I'm working on it and I remember if I think back to like when this first played out the most it was probably in high school I think this is where most people's social perfectionism starts. And that's, by the way, something I'll get into more in another episode. But social perfectionism is really the core of social anxiety and also um, the core of leading or the, the core of people-pleasing behaviors. I think I was considered like part of the popular group in high school. And, and while I'm sure I wasn't liked by everybody... I know that I made sure I did things to be liked by most. That was really important to me. But it didn't feel good all the time because it meant that while I didn't often get openly criticized or made fun of, that I also didn't always stand up for the things that I believed in. I recognized even then that when we're operating from this place, it makes us feel fragmented and inauthentic. But I didn't have the tools or really the women role models to change it. My parents were always encouraging me to be myself and were all me by all means like wonderful influencers, but as teens, we're most influenced by our peer groups and popular culture, not necessarily by our parents. Sorry, mom and dad. Um and not to mention that my mom and dad were in helping professions. So my mom was a teacher and a wonderful teacher, and my dad was a firefighter and and wonderful at that and an attorney as well. So everybody in my life was literally like served to help other people. 
So now that I'm working like on myself more in this sphere, I'm learning to tell myself and believe thoughts that are more true than these old tire beliefs about the fruits of self-sacrifice. Things like when I put my needs first, I'm able to show up more whole for the ones I love. I have more energy, more of a zest for life, and that is contagious. Or my kids won't get to just hear, but we'll get to see in real time what it looks like to show up for myself and for them to show up for themselves. See, there it is. I'm right here in process with you. And here's the truth. I recognize that my nature is to help others because even before it was my profession, it was a big part of my life. I was always the ones that my friends would go to for advice And I even attracted some not-so-great relationships, shockingly, solely because I was able to give, you know, other people the illusion of stability in their own life. And that's kind of a hard thing to face, but I do now recognize, looking back, that that I I had a handful of relationships that weren't healthy because I was trying to, like, fix or help this other person and um, they were getting their need of stability met. And it wasn't a two-way street. Here's the other part of that truth. By helping others, people like me, hi all you Enneagram number twos, and if you haven't checked out what Enneagram number you are, I highly suggest it. I think you can do like a free um, assessment online, but it's just so enlightening to find out what number you are. So other people like me, who are helpers by nature, are often able to avoid doing our own work through helping other people. But here's my newsflash to my to my older self. I can do both. We can do both. I am so proud of the work I'm doing around this because it's hard and it's definitely an uphill climb. But I've already seen a lot of really positive changes um, in the way that I feel about myself and, and the respect that I have for myself and my relationships. Now I'm going to shift out of my experience and go into um, a clinical experience I had with a client, one of my dearest clients. When this woman came to me, she looked perfect. She came into my office, sat on my blue couch. Her hair and outfit were beautifully styled. Her smile was big. She was overly polite and overly apologetic for any word that fell out of her mouth that she perceived she shouldn't have said. This beautiful woman was also suicidal. I'm not often shocked when somebody tells me about their suicidal thoughts, but this one threw me. Nothing in her life or her history, well, not her history, but nothing in her life or the way she appeared in that moment led me to believe that she was about to say she was suicidal. Shame on me because I know that Suicide does not discriminate. Depression does not discriminate. There it is again. I'm human. We are human as therapists. So she didn't know why, but she explained that a couple days before she'd been driving on the road and she seriously considered veering off the cliff. Just like that. She was going to end it all. So when I asked her to imagine herself like back in that car and try and recall what the thoughts she was telling herself or what the thoughts she was having right up until that point may have been, she recalled things like 
I just can't do this. I can't make everyone happy. I have nothing else to give. I'm exhausted. Do you hear that? I'm exhausted. This was the perfect case of nature and nurture. As the child of alcoholic, the youngest of seven siblings, a woman in our culture, a a sexual and emotional abuse survivor, a social worker, a mother of four, and now a grandmother of multiple children, she learned that the safest way to be was to stay small and helpful at all costs. Then she came to a breaking point. It took us some time to like unearth all the patterns that drew her to where she was. But once we did it, it was clear what we needed to change. Her beliefs about her purpose and her people-pleasing ways. It was such a joy to watch this woman find herself. Like the things that make her tick. The things that light her up. It was as though she was living a new life. Finding a new self. At the point I was seeing her, she was already in a really supportive marriage with a wonderful man, but they were both completely conflict avoidant. She about fell out of her chair when I suggested that she purposely bring up something controversial with her husband. But once she did, so much was unlocked in their relationship. And they both over time learned that they could be their true selves, say their true thoughts, share their true feelings, and still be loved. This is the short version, and thank you to my client for giving me permission to share. But all this is to say that people-pleasing is a behavior that is learned and then maintained throughout life as a defense mechanism, but it can be changed. If she could, if I am, so can you. So here it is. I'm going to throw it back on you and I want to ask you some questions. What do you need to move forward? What can you do to start make small changes? Start making small changes. Like I said before, I think you can start by asking yourself some questions about your behavior, getting really curious because if if you were in the Um, office or on a video session with a therapist, they would just get really curious. What's underneath this behavior? So ask yourself questions like, why did I say yes to going to that event? Or why did I tell my husband I wasn't upset when I felt furious inside? Was I valuing their experience or feelings more than my own? Well, if the answer is yes, okay, now what? You get to decide to start making changes. Like I always say, you can start small, and in fact, I encourage you to. Start by challenging an unhelpful thought or belief and then move into trying out a new behavior. Maybe that looks like delaying a response to a text. Like if if you're like me, you feel like you have to respond right away. No, you don't. Or say rain check for an event that you don't want to go to this week. Or ask your husband to take the kids for just an hour so you can do you. Hire a babysitter without feeling like you need a specific reason. You are the reason. What is more important than that? The beauty that you invoke will trickle down to everyone around you. It's not always going to be easy, but I promise it will start to feel good and you'll start to open doors in your life that you didn't even know existed. So do the work. Find a great therapist in your area. Go online and find a remote therapist. Just do the work. You're worth it. 
Thank you so much for listening today. And if you're interested in finding out more about my services or just checking out what I have to say throughout the week, go to my Instagram page, which is at mother underscore more, or my website, which is therapywithcaitlin.com. Cheers and have a beautiful day.